What's up, everybody? My name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition, and you are tuned in to Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in, as always. Uh, this week on the show, we have someone, uh, you know, I just I saw him at a show. I saw him do a song at a show. I, I should go out more often to concerts because then... I see things and I meet people and it's nice, but his name is Ghost Mane and he is from West Palm Beach, Florida, and he is relatively new to to me. He's very new to me. I didn't know him before Wednesday, maybe, um, but he's dope and he's part of this weird uh, scene that I'm trying to like understand and compartmentalize in my head, but I'll explain that more later. First things first, make sure that if you guys, if you guys fucks with us, if you really are down for the crew if you fucks with ya boy and with my my man's ben shim on the boards making the shit sound buttery please go to patreon.com slash kind of neat and just pledge your support now if you're a first-time listener or if you're new to the show you don't have to if you're just dipping your toes in the water you don't have to do this yet but like i said man if this is part of your weekly entertainment if we are part of your routine and you listen to me on the train or at work or on a bicycle go to patreon.com slash kind of neat pledge a buck per episode and keep the lights on around here help us make some money help us help you stay entertained uh, or you can go to paypal.me slash kind of neat that's paypal.me slash k-i-n-d-a-n-e-a-t and just pledge a couple bucks that way too. Like that's just like a one-time donation. Somebody told me that that was smart, and I'm like, that does sound smart. So if you want to send me some money, keep in mind it is uh, my birthday on Friday. It's my birthday. Uh, speaking of PayPal, I got a fucking letter from the government when I got back from Alaska that I owe a shit ton of money in back taxes. I'm like a real rapper. I'm fucking. I'm like Wesley sniping out here. So yeah, I'm in panic mode right now trying to like gather all the funds I have tucked away everywhere so I can keep the government off my butt. I pay my taxes. I always do. It's just that like I didn't realize – I thought PayPal was going to like send me something like you need to report this. And so yeah, I'm learning as I go. It's hard being a young hustler – well, a middle-aged hustler now because I'll be 35 on Friday. Anyway, yeah, I was at home. That's why we took a little bit of a break. I was at home in Alaska because like I told you guys last episode, my brother was getting married. So congratulations to my brother Steven and his wife Kendra. They are now married. And the wedding went great. You know, it's funny. It's a funny thing about weddings there's so much stress and planning and and all this stuff and i didn't really have to partake in too much of the stress or planning because i don't live in the state but i was the best man of the wedding and steven wanted me to like pick out the outfits that the groomsmen would wear he the, you know him and his him, him and kendra they sent me a bunch of like inspiration tear sheets and so he wanted to go with uh no jackets for the groomsmen just like slacks a shirt tie and suspenders you know, and I'm a portly man, so I like prefer a belt because I like to wrench it in and make my my gut look skinnier. But I wore suspenders, and it was cool, man. We looked sharp during the wedding. I looked back, and the, the groomsman behind me was my best friend from my childhood, Sean, who's now one of my brother's best friends. And as soon as Kendra was walking down the aisle, he had, he had just tears flowing down his face because he's very sensitive. He's a nice, he's like the nicest, warmest guy. He's so funny. And, but I, I look back, and he's just crying, and I was like, "Fuck!" Because then Kendra's sisters start crying, and then I'm like. Part of me was like, well, oh, am I an evil person for not wanting to cry? And then I was like looking at them and I like instantly like wanted to cry. And I'm like, oh, thank God I'm not evil. But also like, fuck, now I'm about to cry. 
but I didn't. I held it back during the ceremony mostly, and it went smooth. But yeah, like I said, you have to do all this planning, and then it's all kind of just for this one big party night, and everybody's so worried about everything. But like, it's just fun, dude. It was a fun wedding. My dad was dancing, and uh, I man, it was pretty turned up as far as weddings go. People stayed until the very end dancing, and like all generations were like really cutting a rug. It was it was pretty cool. And during the best man speech, I definitely choked up a few times. Uh, I wrote a fucking essay and and just read it. And there were definitely parts where I was surprised at how emotional I got. And uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm happy for my brother. I'm happy for Kendra. They're a good couple, and it makes me excited for the prospect of love. While we were home, or while I was home after the after the wedding, a whole big group of us went to Denali National Park, and my best friend down here, Dom, uh, who has been on the podcast, who I work with and shoot photos with, you guys know him if you follow along. Um, Dom and his family came up because he shot the wedding, and he brought the three boys up: my nephews Nolan, uh, Gavin, and Devin, and his wife Kristen, and they all came up and. It was cool because that's their first time ever going to Alaska and Dom is a – he's like a voracious traveler. Like when we travel, he wants to – even if we only have a day in a city, he's the type to like try to figure some shit out to do. You know what I mean? Like we got to find the cool shit to do. So it was really for me like going to Alaska with a fresh pair of eyes because this stuff that I grew up doing that seemed so boring to me. Um, or, or almost embarrassing to an extent. Like t- when I moved to California, it's like a cool bar story to tell that you grew up in Alaska, but for all intents and purposes, like I'm, I'm not like, I'm not like super proud of growing up in Alaska. I, I don't know how to explain. I'm not ashamed of it, but I'm not like, yo, my childhood was so awesome compared to everyone else's because of this and that and the other and the things that I did. And it's almost like I tried to hide it a little bit. Like stuff that just seemed normal to me growing up was was like so new to them through through uh, eyes that had never been up there before, him and his kids. And so just doing normal shit, like going to this lake across the, the highway from my house called Chino Lakes, like we saw this backside of the lake that I didn't even know existed because everybody always just kind of hangs out on the front of the lake where this little makeshift beaches and people swim. And, and we ended up taking a walk all the way around to the backside of the lake and running paddle boards and shit. And it was just like amazing. It was just so fun. It was 80 degrees out and beautiful and we're chasing around like, you know, duck families and trying to avoid beavers and shit. It was, it was pretty dope. Um, but, Right after the wedding, a big group of like 40 people went to Denali, like I was saying, which is a national park in Alaska. And that was the only three days of rain that we got in the 10 days that we were up there. So we're – yeah, I was going to say camping. It was a glamping. We were glamorously camping in nice cabins. Um, And there's not – I mean there's stuff to do in Denali, but it's – I mean – I don't know how to explain it. You can't really go into the park and just camp. You know what I mean? Like it's very, it's a very restricted wilderness area because the tundra is sensitive and the ecosystem there is sensitive. There's not a lot of food for the animals to eat. They don't want the animals to get used to humans, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I, I saw some, we saw some moose out there, which is cool. It's nice to see some wildlife. Did not get to see any bears. Uh, did not see any caribou to my knowledge. Um, but, 
at one point, the last day that we were in Denali, we were going on a hike and we went to just do this real simple hike. It's not an athletic hike or nothing. You just walk down to this lake called Horseshoe Lake. It's about walking around the whole thing. It's probably only, I don't know, a mile and a half maybe. And, um, I've done it before and just kind of like walked down, got the scenery and walked back up, never walked around the whole thing. But this trip, this, this one was pretty epic because uh, we walked down and as soon as we walked down, we see a moose in the water already. And so we walked down and we kind of get some long distance pictures of that. And then it kind of disappears uh, into this. I don't know where it went. I can't remember the whole. I don't remember the whole fucking story because the end of the story is so crazy that it blocked out a bunch of my other memories. But the point is, is that we start walking around the lake after um, sitting in one spot and taking a bunch of kind of like wide photos of this moose and then it disappearing into the woods again. We walk around the lake and. I can't even describe the beauty of it. The lake is like crystal clear. You can see all the rocks in there. You can see the algae that the bottom of the lake that the moose was eating. You know what I mean? Like the water's perfectly still like a fucking mirror. There's cliffs around it. There's trees and woods and there's a beaver dam on both sides. And so we're walking around the backside and we get to a certain point where it's like real clear and there's a bunch of rocks. So we're skipping rocks and stuff. And then a fucking giant owl flies over us. And like seeing an owl is pretty goddamn rare, particularly during the day because they're, uh, you know, they're night creatures, obviously. But this giant owl flies over us and like perches up on a rock right up the way. It looks like a damn gargoyle. The thing's like four feet tall. It was it was awesome seeing an owl fly because I've only seen – living in Alaska for 15 years, I only saw an owl maybe twice. And after we see the owl, we walk a few more feet and we realize like, holy shit, that moose is back out there in the water on the other side. And so we're like, yo, we should like walk over there quick because you can see how close he is to this other section of the lake where there's a beaver dam which is very accessible by the trail. So we walk around the backside of the lake and uh, takes you over by the Nanana River and you see that, you see that, and then you walk back around and we get to where that beaver dam is and this fucking moose is like right off the shore of the lake, like probably only 40 feet from us, just chilling. And it's like a young bull moose, like a teenage bull, bull moose, I would say. So it doesn't have a full rack, but it's, it's rack is just starting to kind of sprout. It's got two like kind of little mini horns coming out of its forehead and it's not fully grown. It's still pretty, it's still pretty thin. Like it's not, I mean, as far as moose go, moose kind of look like goofy looking horses. Like they look like horses with dumb noses. And, uh, but they're also like way taller than horses. Their legs are like about six feet tall by themselves. And so this fool's in the water is eating and chilling and looking at us. Like we're all <sighs> by the shore. There's probably 20 people at this point, like taking pictures of and shit. Everybody had congregated around, but we stuck around the longest and like the, these other groups kind of took off and, and we're just sticking around looking. It's like me, Dom, uh, his three kids, my uncle Eddie, my cousin Tyler, my cousin Brett, and that's pretty much the group. And we're down there real fucking close to this moose. And everybody's really stoked because they've never even seen moose before, let alone being this close to a moose, which is like for full disclosure, you're not supposed to be this close to a moose. Like it's fucking dangerous. We grow up in Alaska getting shown danger videos all the time of like, yo, stay away from moose because this is what will happen and then they show this dude getting stomped the fuck out on a bank uh on the stairway of a bank in anchorage because he got too close to a moose you know that being said this was a male and it didn't ha- it's not a like females with calves are very fucking protective but this guy was kind of like he seemed like he was used to people being around him and he wasn't really tripping and he was eating 
uh, copious amounts of algae from the bottom of a lake. So for the time being, it seemed safe enough. We're taking pictures of him, video, whatever, and we're all just sitting there real quiet. The kids are like, whoa, shit, you know, and we're all happy and stoked. And at one point, after sitting there watching him for maybe 15 minutes, I see that he's starting to walk towards the shore. And these things can cook in the water because their, their legs are really long and skinny, so they cut right through the water. So what might take a dog like five minutes to swim over to the shore takes this moose only about eight or ten steps. And so I'm like, okay, all right, guys, guys, time to start moving, time to start moving. Like as I see him getting towards the shore, it's time to start moving. Everybody get up, walk, 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 walk. And so everybody's starting to kind of shuffle away and walk. And I'm walking backwards trying to make sure – I'm walking backwards at the front of the pack so that everybody is like – I'm looking over the sh or everyone's shoulders to make sure that like the moose isn't coming at us. But I'm telling everybody to like be real quiet and just keep fucking walking because we're way too close to this moose. And in a national park where you're not supposed to really be this close to the moose. So we're already like kind of breaking the rules whoops and at this point i see the moose making it to the trail that we were on and poking his head like kind of through the trees and his front paws or his front hooves are like fully on the trail but you can't see his back half yet and i'm telling him okay keep walking keep walking keep walking and he looks he's looking over at us but not tripping and at this point i would say we're about 25 30 yards away from him uh that's still extremely close to a moose because they're fast too like horses are fast moose are fast you feel me and uh he takes a couple more steps and then he's fully on the trail and you can really see how big he is because some of the comments while he was in the water is like wow it's not as big as i thought it, it would be you know um but it's because like he was three quarters of his height was covered in water pretty much and uh when he gets fully out and he's visible on the trail, I go, holy shit. I'm like, yo, look at that. And I'm thinking everybody would just kind of like look over their shoulder and keep walking. And I'm like, yo, look, look, because he's fully out. And everybody, all like eight of us or however many, everybody fucking turns around at the same time and looks at the moose. And to that moose, it must have looked like a pack of wolves just noticing him. A bunch of predators, you know, all of a sudden – turned around at him at the same time and he was not hyped on that shit he uh he took like two little steps towards us and i'm like oh god i was like oh god, guys guys go 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 and then he starts running and he takes like four good gallops at us and i'm like run fucking dom scoops up the baby devin and he's like pulling gavin the eight-year-old by his collar kind of like come on run 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 and nolan uh his eldest son who's autistic who i've talked about he fucking straight dipped <laughs> he was running and uh my uncle and his kids and we're all just jetting and i'm still looking over my shoulder running uh and dom's like should we run into the woods? And I'm like, not yet, not yet. I'm thinking like we should wait until the last second to like dodge the motherfucker. If he's going to run down the trail, I'm like, don't break off into the woods and split up until he's close enough that he like can't pick a target of any of us. So I'm like, just keep running. And I look back forward and there's a lady that's coming down the trail. And I just go, I'm like, go, go. I'm like waving my hand at her like, go. <laughs> so we're fucking jetting, dude. And you know, I look back over my shoulder and he stopped after only a few steps. But for those few steps, I was like, fuck, there's a fucking moose charging us. This is not good. Uh, I thought I thought somebody was going to get fucked up. I thought we were going to get fucked up. I thought it was going to be all bad uh, for one split second. But thankfully, we got out of sight and the moose just kind of like 
I didn't see him after that. That was it. After we were out of his line of sight, I, I saw him slow down and not fully charge at us. And then we were out of his sight and I felt like we were safe. So we just briskly walked back up to the top of the trail and the trail forks at a certain point where you can either go down the lake one way or go to go the other. And, um, where it was forked, there was like maybe five or six people gathered up there. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> don't go, don't go this way because there's a young agitated, uh, bull moose down there that will not want to see you and he's right on the trail so i would go around the other way and they're like oh thank you you know and um yeah so that was the most that was probably the most uh adrenaline filled part of the trip that happened and that's something that i've never experienced having lived there and so it was it was kind of a stupid rookie mistake like that's something that i would expect a first time group of uh, of uh people visiting alaska for their first time to do um, but that's something that like someone who grew up there would usually clown on people for. So as soon as we get back to the camp, it was, like, Oh man, a fucking moose charged at us. I'm like, oh, let's slow down about saying charged at us. Cause I didn't want to look like a fucking idiot that induced, uh, a, a bull to charge at us because that's embarrassing as an, as a quote unquote Alaskan. So I'm like, let's not say charge. He galloped at us a little bit. He didn't really fully charge, but for all intents and purposes, that moose fucking charged at us. Uh, yeah, I'm stoked that they got to experience that, though. That's something that hopefully the kids will get to talk about their show and tell when they get back to school. Um, what else happened in Fairbanks? I mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah, we just had a lot of fun, man. We did a lot of cool shit. Went to the Salmon Bake. We, uh, fireworks are, like, mega legal in Alaska. So we bought, like, 300 bucks of fireworks and we're popping those off right before we were supposed to leave to the uh, to the airport. You know, like, we were running late on the flight and decided to pop them off because we were having a big barbecue at my house. Uh, and set off so much smoke on this fucking floodplain that, like, one of the fire marshals came out and he's like... Hey, oh, okay, the smoke must have just been you guys, huh? All right, well, I just wanted to come. I, I, I thought, we, I was like, oh, great, we're going to get arrested before we get on our flight. But he was just like, oh, okay, cool, you guys are just popping off fireworks. No big deal. See you later. Didn't ask for any IDs or nothing. I was like, whoa, cops in Alaska are pretty chill. Uh, but he wasn't a cop, he was a fire marshal, so whatever. Fire marshals in Alaska are pretty chill. Um, yeah, I had to, and I, I flew with my grandmother, uh, which was, she's, she's a handful, great lady. It was, that's a, it's a lot of work traveling with somebody that's like, well, she was like, kind, she's kind of a mobile right now. Like she, she has a bad hip. Um, so we were like rolling around in wheelchairs and stuff. It was just, I don't know. It was eventful. It was fun. It was, this is the first time I've gone home in a long time and not been like, oh God, I stayed too long. Like, I can't wait to get back. I mean, you guys remember if you go back in last time that I visited and, and listened, I was like, I hate going home and I didn't have fun and I don't have coping strategies for my depression there and blah, 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 blah. This time we had so much stuff planned out to do that it was fucking tight and I actually could have stayed a couple more days. It was, it was really – it was a really good trip. Uh, but I am happy to be back uh, and doing podcasts and this podcast, like I said, is with a gentleman named Ghost Mane. and Ghost Mane is from Florida. And I went to a Suicide Boys show on Wednesday or Thursday. I can't remember which day. I went to a Suicide Boys show, and it was fucking insane, dude. I'm so jealous of fans this day and age. Like, the fans – if you're like an 18-year-old rap fan, god, you have so many choices. And you also can have so much fun. Like, the the that whole scene of – 
I don't know if I, I don't know if these guys that I'm going to name would call themselves a scene, but for me in my old brain, I compartmentalize them as having um, aesthetics and sounds that uh, complement each other. I'm not saying they all sound like similar. I'm just saying that they like you could put them on a bill and everybody would like most all of these groups. All the fans kind of cross over of like Sesh Hollow Water Boys, who we've had on the show, Suicide Boys, of Puyan Fat Nick, um, you know, and now dudes like Ghostman. And there's a there's a, a probably a fucking shit ton that I don't know about that I'm just learning about. Um, but their fans have so much fun. They fucking destroy each other at shows. It's like, it's really like going to a hardcore show. And it's interesting because I think, uh, well, talking to Ghostman today, like he's very inspired by the hardcore scene. And I would bet there's a lot of kids in that scene who are inspired by hardcore and punk music and metal. And it shows not only in their music, but in how their stage presence is and all of that stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, at that suicide boys show, uh, I was on stage while Adam and Romo were DJing and shout out Adam and Romo. And, uh, they brought out Ghostman as a special guest and he just came out and performed this song Venom. And it's the song that he's performing on the show tonight. And he came out and I'd never really heard of him. I knew, well, I, I heard of him because I know he was on, um, the ham radio show and, uh, I hadn't really heard his music, but I was impressed with his performance. It just seemed like he had good stage chops already. And he came out and kind of controlled the crowd pretty well and rapped. He rapped a lot while he was on stage. Like there's a lot of words and spoken really fast. And I thought it was impressive. And so I, uh, hit up, uh, one of my homies like, yo, who was that? And they're like, oh, he's fucking, it's ghost man. He's dope. Like blah, 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 blah. And he just moved out here. So anyway, I see him backstage, get his number, and fucking four days later, here we are. And it was a really cool conversation. He just kind of dropped everything recently within the last few weeks, quit his job, and moved across country from Florida to L.A. And I think he's got a good head on his shoulders, and I hope to see big things for him, and I hope that he enjoys his time that he stays here in L.A. So... Without further ado, here is an artist that, like I said, I'm new to, and I think that a lot of you guys will be new to as well, named Ghostman. You just moved to L.A.? Yeah. Uh, a couple weeks ago. Oh, only a couple weeks. When <laughs> yeah. you t- so I met you the other night at the at the Suicide Boys show and saw you perform one song and I was like, whoa, that was dope. Like yeah. you have good energy on stage. You seem like you've got some stage chops already. I don't know how long you've been rapping. But as we got to chatting, you're like, oh, yeah, I just moved here. When you said that, I assumed a few months or something. <laughs> no, you, no. you just got here. Yeah, yeah. A couple weeks ago, me and my girl drove across the country from Florida. Yeah. Um, so it was like three days and we just powered through it we were in separate cars too so we um we just drove in like 12 hour intervals wait non-stop. why are you guys in separate cars is that the backup plan is, it, is it something <laughs> one no, of you no. has an escape route if you got to get home no, no we just um i don't know that's how we've always been like we um even when we used to live in houses we'd have like separate bedrooms we'd sleep in one room yeah but we each have our own room so we have our own space that's so smart. so it's not like you know we're always in each other's face and we just also we both happen to have separate cars and we wanted to bring both of our cars. Y'all just independent. Yeah, exactly. Independent as fuck. Just smart. I mean, and we've been together three years, so it works out. Oh, nice. Yeah. How was the drive? 
It was it was good, honestly. Like um, the first like two thousand miles were straight, um, but then once we hit like New Mexico, my car started fucking up, and um, I was mad because I have this this Grand Marquis, and it's got like twenty two inch chrome rims. Like it's a beautiful ride, but I had to sell it to even get to California because um, I knew that that wouldn't make it across. The that country, sounds like so. a real Florida ass car, right? Yeah, there. like yeah, a trick much. daddy video or something. Yeah, yeah. And I had it for like three years. It's been in a lot of my music videos. Um, it's my favorite ride. But I have another car, the Pathfinder, Nissan Pathfinder, that I knew would be better to drive. Yeah. So I sold the other one, drove the Pathfinder, and then sure shit, the Pathfinder the transmission takes a shit in like New Mexico. Oh. So I'm driving in like first gear the whole way. Like it just it wasn't shifting gears right. for whatever reason. So. Um, but yeah, other than that, you know, it was good. It was, Damn, like what's, uh, how are you, how you have so many cars? Is Florida just that cheap to live in or what? No, nah, I just, uh, I used to have a really good job. I was making like 65 grand a year and I just saved, save, 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 save. Get like, out. What were you doing? Um, just like phone sales type shit, like yeah. business to business sales, like commercial airtime sales and right. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't like, it wasn't uh, a face to face type of thing. Cause you got like the face tats and everything. No. Yeah. I was tatted up sitting in an office just selling, like I was pitching CEOs. I didn't know. They thought I was older. Like that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. I, I, like your appearance when you walk into a place, like I wouldn't suspect that you were the job having type. <laughs> yeah. You, you got the hands are tatted, legs are tatted <laughs> up and down, face tats on both sides. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah now would, I'm definitely not the job working type, but, I, but before, that's all i knew you know I yeah worked hard for you are you born and bred in florida yeah uh how what was your family like how'd your family end up in florida well they were i mean they're from new york yeah. um and then like a year before i was born they decided to fuck new york and they're gonna move to florida for whatever the hell reason i don't know yeah. but uh, i guess get a new start or something and that's what people from New York do, I guess. They just yeah, everybody <laughs> migrates to Florida yeah, from yeah. New York, from the East Coast. And yeah, so then then they had me, and um, then when I was seventeen, my dad passed, and my mom said, "Okay, fuck Florida, I'm going back to New York." I didn't want to go to New York, so I stayed and just lived on my own, pretty much. Wow. Um, and then uh, I visit my mom once a year. Really? In New York? Yeah. yeah. How did your dad pass away? Um, it's basically, I guess, sort of like long term accidental overdose. Like he. Uh, he had bad like back problems, yeah. so he was prescribed like heavy narcotics, like morphine and shit. And then uh, he, I mean, to me, it's really unknown, uh, you know, whether or not he took too much of it or whatever. I just know that you know he sort of he like took a specific pill, like a morphine tablet. And he yeah. like chomped down on it when you're supposed to swallow it or something, uh, and then he went to sleep because he had pneumonia uh, at that time. Yeah. And then I actually had it at the same time, but. Um, he he just didn't wake up. Basically, went to sleep and Jesus. didn't wake up. Yeah, yeah. It's so crazy. The fucking opioid uh, like epidemic and in, yeah. in America, like you. It's funny because right now is that time where you're like reading about it so much, but then to have that personal experience with it is. I mean, yeah. it really humanizes it. That's that's why I don't I don't fuck with pills at all. I'm terrified of pills. I've never taken a pill. Like I don't I don't I don't like it at all. Like, really, which yeah. is interesting because I feel like you're part of a scene that's like super pill popping. Exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. and I, I just I'm not about it. Like. Um, I mean, there's certain stuff I like, like, you know, I'm, I'm in a trip and like, I like psychedelics and mm -hmm. like, you know, cocaine here and there or whatever, mm -hmm. but I'm really like 
pills to me is just a different animal because it's like something that like it's manufactured and you just don't know what's in it, you know. Like, Which is funny because you do know exactly I mean, what's you know, in it. Yeah. You know exactly what's in it, but you don't really know what the, those. I mean, you don't know how you'll react. To yeah, me. like it's like to me, I feel like it's, I just got this fear that I'm gonna just like OD. Nah, it's such the wild know. west. You yeah, know yeah. I mean? yeah, yeah. And, well, and, and all of those pills, it's like the more you take, the more you can take eventually. Exactly. Yeah, and your then, tolerance goes up. And yeah, and eventually it's like your body's just like, no, you're not supposed to take this many times, this many pills, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, all my friends, I don't care who does it. Like, like most of my friends do. It's whatever. Yeah. But I just don't. You know, I'd rather do other shit. Right. Acid or mushrooms? Which psychedelic? What do you prefer? Um, because of where I'm from, like the only acid available was tabs, which yeah. is like basically research chems, like twenty, like two five i and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, I prefer mushrooms over that shit because, like, the research chems, like. The calm down makes me so depressed. Like, I used to get, like, just real bad. Like, I think because it depletes the shit out of my serotonin or something. I just right. get really depressed. Uh, whereas mushrooms, like, I would just kind of stop tripping and be okay and then, like, be really inspired, like, to nice. go, like, make music or whatever. So I kind of always prefer shrooms because I've, I've never had, like, any sort of bad experience off it. So that, It's funny. I'm the opposite. I always had bad experiences on shroom and great experiences really? on acid. <laughs> yeah. I haven't done either in fucking years. But yeah. as a kid, I was, like, more acid than mushrooms. That's I don't know crazy. why. They would always, I would always have bad trips. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, damn, man, your fucking dad dies at seventeen. Like, how how do you handle that? Is that uh, is that a f- I mean dark depression after that or what? Well, yeah, sorta, and also like I don't know, because my dad was really like he held me back um, a lot because he was really like tyrannical in the way that he ran the household, you know, and like was really strict and stuff. Sort of like I guess what they call like a helicopter parent, mm. and. Um, so, you know, I didn't really have a lot of friends as a kid because I'd never be allowed to, like, go over people's houses and stuff. So I was kind of just a loner. Well, I mean, I have my little brother, but it was just us two, really. Mm-hmm. And, How much um, younger is he? He's four years younger. Okay. And um, and then when he died, I kind of went nuts. And I, you know, stretched my ears and got tattoos, dyed my hair, and just did everything that I always wanted to do, basically. But he wouldn't let you. Yeah. So Was he strict in a physical sense, too? Was it, like, an abusive type of relationship or no? I mean, sort of, yeah. It yeah. wasn't as bad as um, it could have been in yeah. that respect. A lot of it was just the fear of, like, what might happen. It was just, you know. And was it more, was that kind of um, strictness more uh, directed towards you and your brother? Or was your mom also a victim of that as well? Yeah, it was kind of all of us, pretty really? much. Really? Yeah, so yeah. He, was just, he was just, like, a man with a heavy hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? I mean, you know. At the end of the day, I love him and I miss him. He taught yeah, me a lot of shit. Of but, like, but, like, basically, if he didn't pass, though, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be doing anything I want to do. You know, right. I'd probably have a job that I don't like that he wanted me to do or some shit. Right. So, did, you know. So did you? Did they move down to Florida without any family down there? It was just kind of your little unit and that was it? Yeah. Well, I mean, he, um, his biological father, who he did, who he wasn't raised by, which is my grandpa, mm-hmm. um, lived there. And he, because, long story short, he, um... My dad was raised with a different last name. He didn't find out who his real dad was till he was like 18, 19. Oh, no shit. So it was just world shattering, basically. And he found out, wow, my real dad's in Florida. Like, I'm going to go connect with him and just kind of start over new, I guess. And then, um, you know, he did that. And uh, and that's like, I guess, sort of what, what brought him down here. And So that being said, like, did, you, did he keep in touch with his mom and his, like, stepdad that he didn't realize was his stepdad? Not or really. Or did he break ties he with kind them? of broke ties, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, growing up, like, we, he even ended up breaking ties with his dad, like, my grandpa, too. Yeah. Um, so I didn't have any sort of family connection growing up at all. Like, there was, like, one aunt from New York that would visit. 
Um, but other than that, I was really just like, it was just my mom and dad and that's it. And like right. my brother, you know, so that's funny, man. My, I feel like my dad was very similar to that in that yeah. he was from Pennsylvania and we, uh, he, he joined the military. We moved to Alaska, never kept in contact with his side of the family, like at all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I've, I've seen his mom in real life probably like four times, five times my whole life. Wow. With that said, like, do you feel like, uh, the way your familial unit was so kind of independent and by itself and in, in its its own little island that it affected how you are too uh, with your friend base on a smaller level, you know what I mean? Like at a microcosm? Yeah, I, n- I never really thought about that. Um, honestly, it might have, sort of. I mean, I can't, like growing up though, I just, yeah, I, get, I guess it's because of the fact that I never had a lot of friends to begin with, like right. because of how my dad was, that I sort of got used to just like doing everything by myself. Right. And then also once it once I started like making music on my own, because like I was in bands and stuff, which was cool. Those were like my only like real friends um, at the time. And then when I started like you know rapping or whatever, uh, I started to realize that like uh, anytime I try to get something done, like whether it was a music video or photo editing or, or anything really or mixing and mastering like it would just always either take forever yeah or no one would ever actually do it so i started just doing it all by myself alone yeah, yeah that's why like i film my girl shoots all my videos i edit all of them i do all my graphic work mixing mastering all that stuff right so it's like it's sort of just further um reinforced the fact that you know just i don't really need anybody you know right yeah i got some friends out here like I mean, I consider them more my friends than like anybody else I've had. So, right. but um, no, I relate to that heavy, dude. I yeah. relate to that heavy, and just as, as I've gotten older, I think uh, I see um, people that grew up with like big family units and units and like extended family and cousins and mm-hmm. yada yada yada, and I look at the their social personalities and it reflects in their relationships with like their peers where it's like they have huge friend groups yeah. because they grew up in huge families. Yeah. Whereas like someone like you or like me for, uh, I, I feel like, uh, yeah. I we're more kind of lonerish or something. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I think yeah. that's what it is too. And just like, yeah. And like the way my dad was like, he had some friends when I was like a, like toddler sort of. What did and, he do for work? Um, well before, cause he was crippled, like I said, but before that he was a phlebotomist. So he drew, oh, blood. Yeah, drew blood. He was really good at it too, from what I hear. Um, but then he got injured and he, he was pretty much, he was like on disability basically my whole life. Oh, oh, well, so he was like in a wheelchair then or what? No, he was, um, he, he had to use a cane, yeah. but he was always getting constant like back surgery and stuff like that. Oh, and, shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But he was home like 24 seven and my mom was sort of paid by the government to like stay home and take care of him like as a home health aide type deal so both my parents were home 24 7 right it's another thing like growing up especially once you hit teenage years it's like i got you know almost no no privacy privacy. felt like yeah it was weird man i just had kind of a weird upbringing i guess yeah and yeah it all it all reinforces the loner shit because like my dad never had people over once he got hurt you know he didn't want anybody over right he was embarrassed i guess did Um, he start gaining a lot of weight because of it yeah 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 Yeah, he started yeah he gained a lot of weight because he used to be well, with the opioids and with the injury, I would oh, imagine yeah. both of those were just like... Oh, yeah. Because you see old pictures of him. He's like an upside-down triangle, like like yeah. tiny legs, giant. Like, he used to work out a lot. And then, right. uh, and then, yeah, he just sort of just... Yeah, his metabolism slowed down and all that stuff. So. That sucks, man. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what were you into as a real young kid before you discovered music? Like, how were you as a youth? Um, Shit. Were you more outgoing <laughs> back then or no? I mean... I don't know. Like I got, I got picked on at school a lot, and then I had to like for what? fight for whatever reason. I don't know. I guess like, I'll, well, also a lot of times because like, I went to uh, elementary school, middle school in areas that were 
um, predominantly like black or Hispanic. So right. I was typically the only white kid in my class. Um, so I got you know picked on because of that sometimes, which that never really had like a uh, lasting effect on me, um, surprisingly, because I just sort of defended myself and just kind of learned how to fight early, I guess. Right. And then from there, you know, it was just for, I guess, various sort of things. Like I never had like super nice clothes or anything. So, you know. Ch- typical, I like, get roasted for that shit in high right, school or whatever. Right. Um, what are those type of shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are those? <laughs> what are those? Exactly. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, you know, if what are those was around in high school, that's exactly what they would have said. Right. Isn't that funny, though, how some kids get bullied and learn how to fight and some kids get bullied and learn how to, like, joke? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you either yeah. become the funny kid or the fucking tough, weird kid. Exactly. And know? I am not the, I, I'm not good at, you know, roasting or anything. Like, whenever it was time for me to, like, like I, the only way I knew how was to physically fight. Like I, I couldn't say say anything off the top of my head like that. So I was right. just like, you know. Just Do you remember of, your first fight? Yeah, yeah. How did it go? I got my ass kicked because I was in second grade and it was a, a fourth grader. Yeah. So you know, fourth graders at a time are like, holy shit. You know? Right. And uh, this dude who was just this big, um, like Spanish dude, Hispanic, and he kind of looked like a gangbanger because he had his eyebrows shaved and shit. And oh he was, yeah. He was only in fourth grade. I think he was supposed to be in like middle school though. But like. <laughs> Like to be honest, he's with a you, high school fourth grader. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like he, um, he was standing there like talking shit to me, and in the middle of him talking shit, I just stuck him in the stomach. I should have hit him in the face, but I stuck him in the stomach. Yeah, and he just jumped on me and started beating my ass. Like, like yeah, my those whole body shots—that's the long game. That's not yeah, the short game. Yeah, I was an idiot. <laughs> and then I went home, and my dad was like, "You always hit the face first. Like, my, he, he always he, he he sort of reinforced me like trying to learn how to fight, right. which is a good thing, you know." Right. So, um, but yeah, ever since then, though, I, I sort of just like learn, you know, right. how to defend yourself, I guess. Well, so growing up as a white kid in, a, in a, a school where you're the minority, how does that affect your... I'm very interested in race relations in America in general. So yeah, I'm yeah. curious, like, how that affects your mentality about black people and Latino people. Like, are you more drawn to them in your adult life? Well, yeah, yeah. I, I feel that way, honestly. Um, and also part of it was like my dad growing up was severely severely like anti-racist like right he um and i guess it's also too because in florida like a lot of the you know white folks there are just like like naturally racist for whatever yeah, kind of hicks huh yeah yeah that's how that's how it felt anyway growing up um because i had nothing to compare it to i guess but yeah. like no shots at fired at florida but yeah no, there no a, lot shots of, a lot of hicks school. out there yeah definitely <laughs> yeah. but um he was very like um you know, he was just very big on like never use the N word type stuff and right. like, like things like that, and and that sort of um, you know made me it, it combated anything that I think a typical like white kid getting bullied by another race would have felt, right. and it just sort of made me like you know just sympathize and just be like okay like it's just it's not because of race it's whatever you know right. just sort of like and then you know yeah getting older though I feel like. Um, like I just relate to shit more than like I guess your average like white kid would right. for some reason. Like you know, any chance he could to my dad. Like you know, because I played football as a kid, like little league football. Yeah. And uh, there was like Pop Warner League, which was like, like you know the, yeah, the rich Pop kids Warner. would go to. Yeah, right. yeah. And then there was Lake Lytle, which was like, like very cheap and just you know like like lower grade, and I guess and um and he purposely like put us in Lake Lytle because he wanted he just he wanted me and my brother to be around like diversity right. and not be around like a bunch of white kids all the time right which i totally like really like congratulate him for that because um you know when you're younger man it's like white kids are 
ruthless sometimes. And Fuck, it's just, yeah. Yeah, and it's a lot oh, of, like, I mean, even when you're older, white people are yeah, ruthless. Yeah, yeah, definitely true, yeah. yeah. And it's just a lot of, like, ignorance and stuff. And I think that helped me not grow up around ignorance because I was just sort of, like, always exposed to just different cultures and stuff like that. So, totally. Yeah, I really like it, you know, honestly. That's cool, man. Yeah. And you said you're from West Palm Beach. That's what... It, yeah. Yeah, that, that's the whole time you guys didn't bounce around anywhere? No, nah, it was always the Palm Beach area. I mean, just, like cities in palm beach like lake worth i spent most of my time and um lantana and stuff like that but break it down for people like what is sociologically what's west palm beach like what do you mean i don't know well i mean i've traveled all around florida uh shooting photo like for photo jobs i've never really found a part of florida that that i vibe with yeah but i was (laughs) but i was telling you that uh i liked west palm beach because of rachel's oh yeah yeah. i think i actually talked about after the trip i talked about it on the podcast where like i went to this (laughs) i was like i went to this steakhouse is the best steakhouse ever because there's naked women everywhere uh but i loved rachel's but i i always thought west palm beach uh, I think maybe because of golf courses and stuff like that, I always thought it was like kind of a rich area or something. It's like half and half, honestly, like because a lot of um, people from other states, they have houses in Florida or they come to Florida to retire. Like snowbirds. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of like old money there, too. Right. And then there's um, like it, it's a mixture of that, like old folks, like supposedly the I looked it up one time, like the average age in Palm Beach is 68 years old. So there's Whoa. a lot of old people. Whoa. And then at the same time, there's the younger generation, which is um, a lot of kids that come again, come from other states for our rehabs because it's also the rehab capital. Whoa. And a lot of those kids end up like relapsing and stuff. And just and, staying there? Yeah. And just sort of staying there forever. And, no shit. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. So there's a lot of like, yeah, it's like narcotics and old people and golf courses and pretty much what it is so did you so did you grow up around a lot of people watching a lot of people fucking od and being on narcotics and shit? yeah and that kind of stuff no sh- what, what's like yeah. popular there oxycontin and shit like that or um, heroin or what it was oxy yeah i guess oxycontin when i was younger yeah. sort of before i had friends doing it yeah. but then it became i mean sort of like it is here i guess just like xanax and roxy's and what they call blues and stuff like that what so. are blues i'm old i don't know any of these dude i don't even know like i forgot what my girl knows i forgot what, which one it is but basically it's just like the worst thing you could ever do <laughs> from what oh I is it fantastic fentanyl is that, what, is that what blues are yeah. yeah i was reading all right it's just, you know it's like inundated in the news right now but yeah, i think fe- yeah. fentanyl is like 50 times stronger than heroin or something like yeah, that yeah it's always something new man it's yeah just, i don't know i mean i'm just kind of lucky i've stayed what away ha- from it you know what happened to weed <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah what, back in my day we just used to smoke weed um that's funny all right so yeah you play football did you stick with football yeah, um, I played Little League for like five years, and then I played uh, high school football like all four years. What did you varsity. play? Um, I was in the secondary, so I was like a safety and then cornerback. a cornerback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. And were, then, um, were you good? Mm, I was all right. Yeah, but you I played did. varsity all four years? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, I mean, I was decent at it. Once I hit like 10th grade, I didn't really... I kind of lost passion for it, cause yeah. I, and then it started to become where, like, my dad kind of forced me to just stick, stick with it. Stick with it. Because I wanted to, that's around the time I picked up a guitar, and I was like, damn, I just want to be a rock star, man. Like, right. Um, you know, that's all I wanted ever since I was, like, 14 years old, was to just... Yo, same. <laughs> yeah. um, well, before that, were you, did you excel in school? Like, you said your dad was a helicopter dad, so, like, did yeah. he force you to, like... Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, straight I, I A's. Straight or... A's. Yeah, B's. I was I was like questioned as to like why it was a B, you know, right. stuff like that. It was like it was whacked. So you didn't have the type of parents that would reward you for getting good grades. They was just expected. Kind of. Yeah. Um. I mean, if it was straight A's, I'd be you know rewarded somehow. Like yeah. you know, give me twenty bucks or something. Really? Or, you know? Yeah. Or like you know, just general you know yeah. telling me I did a good job. I guess. But, totally. Uh, yeah, it was always you know straight A's and then question about the B's, C's were like F's. You know, might as well have been F's. It was. Were, so. you, were you well rounded? Where you were like as good with your left and right brains as far as like math and English go, or did you did you prefer one over the other? Um, I was really into math. I still am really into math. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to go back to school for uh, physics. Really? Yeah, because I'm really math is just like a strong point for me and sort of intertwines with everything that I'm interested in now, which is astrophysics and like the study of the universe and stuff like. That. That. Right. Um, but yeah, as a kid, I was always just really good at math. Reading, not so much. I like, I swear, like, my my dad didn't believe in like, um, like diagnosis, like ADD and stuff like that. Right. But if he did, a, a doctor would have definitely told me I had like attention deficit disorder. Cause really? When I read, even to this day, when I read, sometimes I just like second paragraph in, I start thinking about other things. Like I do the same thing. Yeah. Zone like, off. While I'm reading, right. it's crazy, man. Um, it's almost like this weird form of hypnos- uh, hypnotization where like, I'll read the same paragraph three times because I'm not yep. paying attention and thinking about other shit. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It happens to me now. Even now I read a lot. Like I'm, oh, I'm reading, I'm working on like, like a few different books at a time, same. but it still happens to me. Like I figure, I figure eventually with practice, it would stop, but it, right. it still happens. It's weird. Well, so now you're more passionate about reading now because you can read what you want to read. Is that what it is? I guess. Yeah. yeah. And then I actually found stuff that i'm interested in i mean i was into um i'm still into like comics and stuff like certain comic series and like manga but uh yeah i started getting heavy into books um you know related to the universe and philosophy and things like that um but specifically like what i'm into like sometimes it's so overwhelming the things that like interest me that i I gotta like sort of just marginalize it and be like okay i'm gonna focus on this for like six months and then i'll move on to other shit right you know so you know it's kind of stressful doing that what was your gateway into like astrophysics like what first put you or what was the 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 opening drug honestly it was like um one one night um my girl was on the computer and because we've always sort of been like interested just kind of like anybody is you're interested when you see anything about like alchemy or magic you're like ooh, you know right and like she was doing some kind of research on it for whatever reason and uh, found this site dedicated to alistair crowley yeah and um from there i was like you know who the hell was this dude and just sort of like we we explored the site and then from there i actually like i watched some documentaries on him and then i got into his books um really mainly like the book of the law and then that opened me into this whole world of occultism related to alchemy and philosophy. Is Crowley the one that said, do what thou wilt should be the whole of the law? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Until you violate the rights of another or something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Okay. Thelema. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, he took his spin on Because it, it's, it's funny, man, like religion and, and how, you know, kids nowadays, sort of like we were talking about before, um, they embody like this idea of like Satanism, which... Um, you know, they're always talking about like what they're talking about is really just like Levian Satanism, which was invented in the 60s, like only 50 years ago. You know, uh-huh. it's from Anton LaVey, who sort of adopted, you know, the inverted pentagram um, and and made his own version of that. And which is basically just given a temptation whenever you want. Right. You know, sort of um, embodying like, I guess, you know, the Christian's idea of, of Satan and they, you know, reject uh, the idea of any sort of theistic Satanism where you actually worship like an actual 
Satan like a, a, a you know deity right, like a right. devil and it's more just about like you know non-theistic Satanism and, right. and kids don't even realize that nowadays like they you know they'll they'll like take pictures holding like the the book of Satan and they don't even realize that that book rejects devil worship you know it's it's about non-the it's like so the, I sort of I mean I'm kind of going on a tangent here. No, but, it's fine. I'm down. Yeah, yeah, but I'm all about um, promoting actually reading into what the hell you're like. Totally. Yeah. You so know. Alistair Crowley was the was the the philosopher that broke it wide open for you about that. Pretty thing. much. Yeah. 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 He got me into John because he apparently believed himself to be like the reincarnation of John D. Mm-hmm. And I heard John D. I was like, who the hell's that? So I looked him up. Mm-hmm. Um, got one of his books, The Hieroglyphic Monad, which is tatted on my thumb. I'm really into to his philosophy too. Um, he was, but he was like 500 years prior, really? you know, basically. And he, yeah, he he did a lot of groundbreaking stuff for for alchemy and things like that. But you want to hear something funny? I've ne- I've never really delved fully into the Aleister Crowley uh, um, philosophies or or like done my history on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but <laughs> randomly, I think my junior or senior year of high school, I had to write some paper on my like. F- personal beliefs right yeah and i like quoted alistair crowley and i was like my, i was like my personal mantra is like do what thou wilt should be the whole of the law not realizing that he was like a fucking satanist and yeah. or like whatever whatever he is considered like you know yeah, the, the, yeah. there's all those like all the illuminati shit about him or yeah, whatever yeah. you know secret clubs i i didn't really understand who he was i just thought like oh do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law like that's <laughs> fucking tight like do what you want to do and you'll be happy yeah and in hindsight, I just feel like that paper was probably ignorant as shit, and I yeah, didn't realize it. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's hard to – unless you – because, like, I've, I've been heavily researching shit for, like, only probably, like, eight or nine months. Right. And I'm just starting to scratch the surface of understanding what the hell I'm reading. Because when you when you first start that, if you don't stick with it, you're just going to get bits and pieces, and you're not, and you're not going to really put it into context of, of what – they're talking about because like crowley yeah like he dubbed himself like the the great b666 uh-huh. but a lot of that is because you know he grew up super orthodox uh either catholic or christian i want to say catholic yeah, probably and, catholic. yeah so he was really held to like his his family like was he was held to to religion so then um he i think had a death in the family as well and he uh sort of said you know fuck this and right. just wanted to be everything the opposite of what he grew to be and that's that's how he you know sort of was inspired to create the lima and and, you know basically he ended up the thing about him and like john d and like a lot of other famous sorcerers is like they they always the the big thing is like as a philosopher is like the search for truth you know you want to know the truth about why we're here where the hell we came from right and it always results in you know misery because you're sort of you're as men you know we're not meant to know that answer right basically, there's you know? no th- there is no real answer to the eternal question yeah. of why exactly like, why is an unanswerable question it, it really is and yeah. you know when i figured that out on an acid trip <laughs> <laughs> see that's good see yeah. that's what it's there for it's awesome because it, it really um if you if you utilize psychedelics in the right way and you're like around even if you're just by yourself or just mm-hmm. maybe with one person that you really care about and mm-hmm. you're like in nature and shit like you'll really uh you know, sort of your mind will be open to Hell yeah. yeah. I always say like, uh, I mean, I've said it a million times on the podcast is like, uh, you learn all the secrets of life while you're on acid and you forget them when you snap out of it or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it is kind of like that too. That's like, why you figure it all out. And then, and then the next day you're like, wait, that doesn't make sense. Why, what did I figure out? <laughs> yeah. I always like tell myself I'm going to like write shit down when I'm tripping, but I right. never do, you know, it just never happens. Um, did you grow up religious? You, you went on that, the Crowley tangent about him growing up strictly Catholic. Did you? No, honestly, no. Um, I grew up with, my dad was kind of weird. Like he, he was really against, 
Baptist uh, Orthodox religion. Yeah. Um, so we never went to church. I never set foot in a church or anything. Uh-huh. But he was a firm believer, like, in Jesus Christ and God, um, which, you know, is, is is cool, I guess. Like, he, he always wore a crucifix. You know, we wore crucifixes as kids. And he was big on, like, praying and stuff like that. But we never had a Bible in the house. You know, mm-hmm. he, he, he rejected the Bible. The way he felt was just God and Jesus are, you know, inside you to call on them when you want, which is sort of, it kind of makes sense to me now. But at when the you same say time, he like, would pray in the house, what do you mean? Like he would, like, it's like, okay, everybody gather up or it's about to pray. No, no, no. He just would advocate praying like, like before we go to bed, if we wanted to, like just quietly to ourselves or like, you know, we'd say grace um, to God before food and like right. that kind of thing, which like, um, looking back on it now, like it makes sense, but he should have just taken it a step further and sort of like, um, you know, maybe actually opened us up to different types of religion like Buddhism and things like that. Um, but, you know, I guess it wasn't something he was passionate about, so I can't blame him. But, totally. you know. I find it interesting you talk a lot about your dad but not much about your mom. Well, <laughs> I guess it's just been the, the subject of the yeah. conversation. Only because I'm talking about no, I the law in the house and it was right. bad, you know. But well, well, what was her role in the house? She was kind of just more submissive. Was she was she the comforter? Was she the person that was that would like console you or, or, or always, like, always? Yeah. yeah, me and my mom were um, always sort of like partners and everything. Yeah, know? and um, she. But she would do everything. You know, she she went shopping because yeah. my dad couldn't leave the house a lot. Right. Um, so she got all the groceries, ran all the errands, cooked all the food, did everything. You know, she was always on her feet. So, um, you know, she worked really hard. And now, um, you know, my dad's gone. She remarried and she's actually really happy, Good. which is, is, you know, rare and, and different sort of because she, you know, spent 20 years sort of for the better part of that not you know as happy she could have been right um so i'm happy for her now you know honestly and she's she's living good uh the way she wants to and she's still like back in new york you said yeah she's in new york yeah you, you visit yeah yeah once a year nice like christmas time cool yeah. man yeah, yeah. Um, but i love her yeah she's you know she's inspiring to me because she um pushed through all that bullshit she's i've never seen my mom once just be like fuck this sucks like you know right. like what am i gonna do like she always just like has an answer and just does it just know? toughs it out it's crazy yeah that's good Inspiring. Uh, shout out mom shout out mom you picked up a guitar when you were 14 you said yeah what made you pick up a guitar i started getting into because like my friend had this um this guitar world magazine and i started because to be honest with you i was like when i was like 13 12 13 i became attracted to the whole uh, aesthetic and style of punk yeah. and i was just like whoa this shit's cool so like i started actually getting into the bands um when my friend gave me this guitar world magazine and it had bands like uh like the vandals and like Lagwagon and no effects and like just old punk bands Fuck and shit. yeah well yeah. that's funny that you say old punk bands because those are like the contemporary punk well, like bands when i was punk a kid. Yeah, 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 yeah 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 totally <laughs> but uh, at the time i guess they were old you know yeah well they were uh, that was like third generation punk at the uh, oh yeah you know what i mean like that's yeah. punk had been around a long time easily yeah because yeah. well, i remember like in high school sorry to cut you off in no, high cool. school uh yeah i was i was totally into lag wagon and no effects mxpx yeah. shit like that hell yeah and older punk kids would be like oh those bands are fucking ripoffs you yeah know what I mean? exactly, that type exactly. Of shit. it's always it's always like a cycle like that it's funny because no, it's uh, the same thing with rap music now like you know like we, People from my age group of in my scene would be like, "Oh, this new scene, fucking whatever, dude." Yeah, exactly. You know? It's the same. Yeah, it's, it's rapping and it's, punk and hardcore. Yeah, exactly. It's so, crazy. so uh, how wait? How do you find those bands though? Or is it because you had to grow up fully on the internet, right? 
No, no. Um, why not? I didn't start using the internet till I was seventeen. Why? Um, when my dad passed, because we oh. we had a computer, but he never like let us use it. I was no. never on it. Yeah, I didn't have a MySpace or any of that till I was like seventeen, eighteen. So that's crazy. Because yeah. I'm fucking ten years older than you, and I was on the internet at <laughs> age twelve. I know, I know. So how I would do it, um, how I'd get new bands is I'd find the bands in magazines like Alternative Press and stuff like that. I'd write a list. And I'd go to one of the few friends I had in my in school who could burn CDs, and I'd say, "Yo, burn me the CD." And uh, you know, they would get on Napster or whatever, or however the hell. Yeah, I think they used LimeWire back Lime then or something. Wire, yeah. yeah, and they and they would come the next day with, with a CD, and I'd just play it in my Walkman and stuff. Wow. That's, yeah, that's how I got into um, all the bands. Basically, it's just friends burning CDs for me. And then as I got older, um, on demand on like tv on yeah comcast or whatever had this had something called havoc tv yeah and it had all like punk videos and i got into bands that way too right so yeah Uh, with your dad being so strict before you started finding out about punk what was the kind of was there music in the house yeah he was was um, he into he was really into old older metal like led zeppelin yeah um he got me into black sabbath which is one of my favorite bands to this day still right and um he got me into uh, like he was in like Van Halen and stuff like that. Right. So like the quintessential big rock band. Yeah, basically. Of the 60s, 70s, exactly. 80s. Classic yeah, rock. They cla- would classic rock. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. He was. Um. It's funny because once it started to get closer to mid eighties, he'd be like, eh, no, like he wasn't in like ACDC really. He right. he wasn't. In, he was into some '90s stuff, like he, you know, we'd listen to like Green Day in the house sometimes, or like yeah. Nirvana, Pearl Jam. He was into some of that. That's funny um, that he wasn't into ACDC because I feel like that's some real Florida ass music. I know, I thought so too. But he, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, it was funny. I think he, he's into like rock and metal. But once he would see cowboy boots, he'd be like, Nah, you know, this isn't yeah. a thing. <laughs> it's Dude, funny. ACDC is like the quintessential fucking white trash party music. It really is. <laughs> anytime, anytime I'm at a, like a, a bonfire party in Alaska back home, it, there's always ACDC That's blasting. That's so funny. It's true. It, it's and, true. I, and I would just picture it being the soundtrack to Florida. As yeah, well. yeah. No shots fired at Florida. Again, but. no shots. Yeah, no shots at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So did your style of dress change then after you discovered punk a little bit? Yeah, like... um. Because at the same time I was getting into punk, I was already for years really into like skateboarding and like the Tony Hawk games and shit like that yeah. and that whole style kind of. Your dad wasn't tripping by you skating? Um, at first, no. But then like I started getting into shows like TV shows like Viva La Bam and oh, like yeah. Wild Boys and shit. And like right. he, he would like watch those. I watched it for like a little bit and then he actually sat down and watched one with me and he was like, this is shit. And, like, and he never let me watch it again because Ugh. he felt like it was like bad influence or whatever. Yeah. Um, but he did let me like i started wanting to wear like you know like spike wristbands and like big leather watches and all that embarrassing shit <laughs> like chain wallets and stuff uh, yeah and, um you know when i was like yeah 14 15 i was i was getting really into that sort of fashion and wearing like skateboarding shirts and band shirts and stuff like that right and um you know from there i just kind of stuck with it i mean and were there a lot of other kids in that same kind of vein in your school at that time like when you get to high school is it still are you still in the minority as a white person or is it does your school get uh whiter as you get older how does that work it's still like the minority but yeah. um it's more i guess there's like bigger because like you know once you get to high school it's like everybody's clicked up so like there's still a small click of like you know kids who listen to metal right. and then there's you know click of kids who listen to rap and then there's like the football kids and then like in my school was like the anime kids and stuff like that so um but i uh, because of how i was raised earlier i sort of like you know floated between all the groups you know so yeah yeah yeah, i was like sort of friends with everybody to some extent 
um which again you know i I thank my dad for pretty much totally yeah so um you graduate high school yeah yeah how'd you do was it good um well because when my dad passed i it was the last semester of senior year yeah it was the final and at the time i had like a 3.7 and once he passed it dropped down to a 3.3 because i just didn't do anything i just said fuck everything and i didn't like do any work um what's that like when your dad dies in high school like do people start treating you different at school like oh man it's fucking i always liked you i'm so sorry yeah like they don't even like know what to say i feel like they just kind of want to be there for me i guess at such a young age to try and cope with something like that. yeah yeah and it's like i mean the teachers i had a couple good teachers one in particular who she uh when she was a kid she lost a parent too so she was like i understand she's like you know you don't have to do anything if you don't want like i understand and right but it's weird about how high school worked because i did so good and even after i said fuck everything and it it was still a 3.3 which is like an ab average right it came me graduating came down to one test like um because a, a required course to graduate or whatever is like american history right and um i failed my american history exam because i didn't give a shit Mm -hmm. and and failing that exam makes you fail high school basically like you have to go to like summer school and everything like doesn't matter your gpa it's all it all comes down to tests you know it's crazy so um but um so how, did you did you pat did you end up like retaking it or something? Yeah, you yeah. Do? My teacher let me retake it. Nice. Um, he normally would never do that, but I guess in light of my situation, he gave me a second chance and right. I passed it because I actually studied um, and I ended up passing. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, there's like a statistically like people who have parents that die young go on to be very successful did you know that no i had no idea yeah i can't re- i mean i would imagine i probably read it in like a malcolm gladwell book or something yeah, i talk yeah. about him all the time but a lot of like the billionaires in our country or just a lot of like successful ceos etc uh, etc et they have parents that die when they're like exceptionally young in their teens oftentimes wow. and it like for some reason inspires success yeah i could see that um honestly because it's sort of like I guess it depends on which parent dies, you know, yeah. like sort of their, their role in the household. But, yeah. like, I could see it definitely, like, sort of pushing you to uh, – because, you know, in my case, like, you know, I no longer had dad to do shit for me and tell me how to live. So but it I also to, sounds like you kind of stopped being scared and just stopped giving too. a fuck. That too, yeah. That's definitely a big thing. And just, being willing to take risks is, like, a big thing oh, yeah. in success. Yeah, you know, for You sure. have to be willing to take risks. Definitely. Moving from Florida to California right now is a big risk. You yeah. Know I mean? But you guys, are in, you guys are in the middle of it. You're in the thick of it. Oh, yeah. And you it know? took me years to even get to the point where I was ready to take a risk like that. Because even after my dad passed, like, I was more um, – you know expressive like fashion and music wise and shit but i was still very uh i had a lot of self-discipline i was hard on myself about like saving money and stuff like that like i never i didn't i never like party too hard you know especially because i made sure i always like paid rent my bills like on time and everything and i was really like strict on myself about that stuff yeah like he it seems like he really ingrains responsibility on yeah big time and then like it took really like once the music you know sort of started taking off even in a small way i started to realize like okay wow like i'm just gonna grind this so i don't have to work like a job because i just i started really resenting working because it took time away from doing what i wanted to like actually do right um so you know eventually i was able to just the the biggest like i guess risk ever was just actually quitting my job finally and just not going back and just saying fuck it like that's a big move yeah Yeah. quitting and then 
you know, simultaneously quitting and then within the month, you know, driving across the country. Oh, so you just quit and now you're out here. Yeah. Well, I mean, I quit a few months ago yeah. and then I came out and visited L.A. Um, and stayed with my boy Brendan for like a month just yeah. to sort of like get the feel of it. Yeah. And then um, went and then back. You, and, and then you decided on Whittier. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. no I, Whittier was um, – <laughs> it just happened to – we actually landed – it's a three-bedroom house with a big-ass sunroom. It's like oh, 2200 bucks. Nice. Yeah. So it just ended up being like a convenient yeah. spot, I guess. Oh, yeah. Know? I mean, Whittier is probably a lot – you could probably get a lot more for your – bang for your buck out there than oh, you could yeah. like in the thick of things. It's actually a nice area too. It's cool. We went so uh, we went so on a tangent there. I forgot to like continue the story about, at a, about guitars. So oh, you, yeah, you yeah. pick up a guitar because you discover punk music. Do you instantly start jamming with friends and getting in bands? I always tried as soon as I picked up a guitar even though I sucked ass like the biggest thing I wanted was to be in a band so I like any friends that I had who like used to play drums or kind of play bass or whatever like I would just be like yo like we got to start a band like when when can we practice or well and like no one was ever really like dedicated or into it so it was just always kind of me playing um, by myself or like my brother was into it for a little bit you know um, How are you teaching yourself? Did you you did, didn't take any lessons, just like tab no, sheets or what? Tab sheets, yeah. yeah. I um because the only access to the internet I had was um I had C plus plus class uh in in school in high school and I would go um when my teacher wasn't looking I would just go online to like guitartab.net or Ultimate Guitar print out tabs and just print out tabs yeah and just like sheets and sheets of tabs and then just listen to the song and just learn it like that's how I learned. Did people think you were kind of strange for not like no being very internet at that time or what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, was, yeah. I was like you didn't weird. have a MySpace page or nothing. Oh yeah, I was a senior without a MySpace. It was like which is like crazy, lame. Right? Yeah, I was just lame as shit. Always, it sucked. <laughs> That's so funny. Always, it's like. Did you ever be like, man, fuck, Dad? I don't have a MySpace page. You don't know what you're doing to me. Yeah, kinda. Like I couldn't like speak to him like that. Yeah. But you know, I got to a point where I was just like, I really like want a MySpace, and he'd be like, I'll set one up for you or something, and oh, like never did, and like That's not like that I wanted to. That's the squarest thing I've that ever heard. That is very square. Like yeah. yo, my. My dad set up my MySpace page. Yeah, dude, everything about my childhood is square. Like, it just sucks. That's but. so funny. I wouldn't have guessed that because, like, your outward image portrayed now is like, oh, I'm a, you must have grown up in, like, a punk rock household. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, well, the cool thing about it was, honestly, my dad was, when it came to music, he was very, because, like, he did listen to older, like, it, it was still metal and it was still at the time that that music was made. That was the cool guy music. Yeah, and it was very, like... It was very rebellious. Like, even right. bands like Zeppelin and Sabbath were just like, wow, this is Satan shit back then. Like, right, like, totally. And, like, he was into that. So he, he understood the mindset. So he he let me listen to punk and shit. Like, he was cool with that. So yeah. it sort of crafted, like, who I am now. Right, basically. right. So yeah. did you get good at guitar? No, I never really got fully good. I mean, even when I, I got older um, and... Like, I started getting into bands when I was 19. I started playing because I got into the hardcore scene. Yeah. And um, I started jamming with a band, Nemesis, which was, like, my band for four years straight. And even then, I, I wrote a lot of the music, but I um, I really just did, like, power chords and, you know, simple did picking you melodies. Um, no, I just screamed, like, backup vocals. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah. Did you secretly wish you were the lead singer? <laughs> Part of me wanted to, yeah. I always wanted to do to do vocals, Um but then, look, later on, we the same members of Nemesis, we started, like, a doom metal band, which yeah. is, like, doom is really big now. Right. Like, just sort of, re, like, bringing back old Black Sabbath types, like, stoner rock shit. Right. It's so funny. Well, this, this is, like, a pretty rap-centric podcast, so most of the guests have been, like, 
rap artists or artists that like people that listen to rap would generally fuck with even if they don't make rap but <laughs> I- i'm always astounded at how thorough the fucking metal scene is with subgenres oh like, yeah fucking stoner metal and doom metal and sludge oh, metal so and much. so many subgenres that like I, even if i wanted to get into metal again because i used to like metal when i was a kid yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, from not like super deep into it but i knew like the basics mm-hmm I feel like trying to scratch the surface of understanding metal, modern metal would probably, it's like, would take forever. You gotta really like come from that scene because if I didn't come from hardcore, I wouldn't know shit about any of it because I only know it because the hardcore scene is such a tight knit community that like, even to this day, I'm barely on Facebook, but like, you know, when I was on Facebook a lot, it was like friends that were in the scene would post bands and right. it's like because otherwise you're not you know if you don't have friends in the scene they're not going to put you on a different genres and shit like that right. so it's like hard to to get into it if you aren't already into it you right. know it's weird how it works so, so nemesis breaks off and starts or starts a doom metal band yeah and yeah what happens with that um i jam with that for a little bit on drums um and it was awesome like it was my favorite shit ever You're good. are you good at the drums i'm decent i'm good enough to play doom which if you listen to doom like technically it's very easy to like double to, kick drums and not fun. even oh, okay. it's just like just like really just like you know just sludgy just yeah. doom, just you know it's kind of like how black sabbath drums yeah, were yeah. basically um and yeah i was decent at it but i when i when i came out for a month and stayed in pasadena they had shows and stuff and i just i had to miss them because you know this career is more important to me mm-hmm. um so they understandably had oh, to get so a this new was drummer. just that was just like a few months ago then yeah seven serpents is the doom band and we started they started uh well yeah we started jamming like less than a year ago oh uh, or maybe it was a year did ago. did nemesis start picking up like a following yeah we had, a, we had a really good local following um but you know we never i guess we're really like dedicated enough to actually start touring like we could have because like i mean our sound was good it was like sort of like a hip-hop hardcore vibe like we sampled like hieroglyphics and uh like uh uh, what's what's, not hieroglyphics but uh souls of mischief mischief, yeah yeah yeah. and like it that was just our whole like vibe and aesthetic was just like hip-hop hardcore right um and it was kids loved it so but, like uh, limp biscuit <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, that's what we used to say to older people yeah. who didn't understand we'd be like it's like limp biscuit shout out fred durst <laughs> um, big fan of the show no i'm just kidding i don't know who this is but uh <laughs> so wow so you're like so the rap thing is like pretty new then or what sort of yeah being a nemesis um the vocalist nemesis is a good friend of mine sam um he got me into rap pretty much uh like three or four years ago yeah and um he showed me like he 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 was like luckily he started me with the basics like he got me into like jedi mind tricks Mm -hmm. and hieroglyphics and Mm -hmm. and stuff like that uh mainly like i was really into souls of mischief Mm -hmm. and that sort of got me into rapping and i started rapping like boom bap style right because i thought that you know that was like just the true shit like the golden age shit right that's everybody's Um, first thought always yeah yeah. and um and i started to realize like wow you know i kind of sound corny doing this so i started just getting into it. it was actually my girl who got me into um darker style rap um she like showed me some old clan stuff uh like like space ghost perp yeah um and i and i was just it sort of just like changed my world i was like wow like this is like a totally different you know who, something that i relate to more right I guess. so space ghost perp and raider clan like who else in raider clan um i mean it, it wasn't so much clans it was no. like bone thugs and three six mafia okay but, so um, yeah you did go back and kind of do the history it was more yeah it was more bone thugs and, and three six that got me into like doing just that more hype type stuff right and like and i started to realize that i could actually rap fast and like utilize that you right 
because I, you know, I sort of just wanted to have like sound like be that like, right. sort of bone thug style. Well, yeah. So as an older head, it's funny to me uh, viewing you guys' scene from outs as a, from an outsider's perspective because I am like, oh wow, it's so crazy how all the all the rap music that was like really popular when i was in high school but that was like the underground rap music like three six mafia yeah yeah. crucial conflict you know uh, like various memphis rap groups tommy wright al capone stuff like yeah sure uh that stuff has like come back so full swing now and there's a bunch of 18 year old fans that you guys have that probably have no idea what any of that stuff is it's almost frustrating (laughs) to an extent it is but i mean at the same time i think i mean there's something inherently cool about a younger generation getting inspired by like this very uh regional and somewhat obscure scene that just exists existed in memphis yeah i mean like only there yeah it's crazy it's um it's amazing i don't really know why it's that specific scene that blew up so much but it's just like yeah i mean it's well, like talking is. to talking to Chris Travis and Xavier Wolf, they grew up in Memphis, yeah, and yeah. so like their their music is like super Memphis centric, mm-hmm. like and it sound yeah, it does. It just sounds like old three six, like, mm-hmm. but that's because like that's what they grew up with, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And I would say, I, I mean, I would say like those two those two guys are pretty fucking influential mm-hmm. in the new scene in an Definitely. offshoot way. But uh, yeah, so anyway, shout out them. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you practice rapping so fast? Honestly, because um, even when I did the boom bap stuff, like our because nemesis the the band the hardcore band like we um on our first and only ep our fifth the fifth song on the ep the last song we did like this rap song Mm -hmm. and we were like you know we thought we were the shit because we're the only band who did a rap song in the scene Mm -hmm. and we did it over a milkbone beat um like naughty by nature uh milkbone Mm -hmm. and um and i rapped like the only way that it came out to me was like fast like even when i was doing boom bap stuff i just did like a double time type flow Mm -hmm. And, um, which was cool, but it wasn't like, I knew that it wasn't going to like actually get me anywhere. And I wanted to get somewhere like I wanted fans and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, so I started to realize that like doing like, you know, slower tempo beats and stuff like that. It just sounds better, Mm -hmm. you know, rapping fast. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't know as far as like why I rap like that, it just sort of just came out. Right. Cause like I didn't start rapping slow until I was already like a year into my career. Like it, it used to be every song was just like. 64 bars are just straight like fast flow shit right but um yeah so do the guys in your band at that point know like oh fucking you got this ghost main thing going on and like you're you're like trying to become a rapper or was that something that you kind of kept from them no like they because like they heard me on the song and they're like damn dude you're actually really good and Mm -hmm. like you know i started taking that seriously and then for a while nemesis broke up for like a year Mm -hmm. and i didn't really talk to them and it was just kind of me doing my own thing and then um the scene wanted us to get back together do like a reunion show so we did um and then from there you know we were just we became a band basically until you know i moved Mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean they always knew about it and they were always pretty much supportive of me well so how do what's the first thing that starts getting you attention as ghost man on the internet oh shit i don't know like did you have a (laughs) moment where you're like oh whoa this song's like picking up i didn't realize it would yeah it really just because like my girl again shouts out my girl Christina baby loot she um made me make a soundcloud uh-huh and because at the time like before that i was putting shit on like dat piff and reverb nation oh, yeah. thinking that like because that's what everybody in like the local scene of florida does they yeah. use those sites not knowing that those sites like really suck right. for like actually getting a fan base right um so I, I made a soundcloud and i realized for whatever reason that got me like a lot more 
because I guess sound yeah SoundCloud's designed to put people on a new shit because mm-hmm. of the re- like recommended tracks and all that stuff. So um, I just kind of kept putting music out and just really stayed motivated mm-hmm. as far as like consistently putting in you know at least a song every two weeks or yeah. you know an album every two months or something like that. And um, eventually, like more kids just started to listen, and then. Uh, well, so how long is it until you start kind of getting adopted into this, what, I, whatever this new scene is that you're a part of? I don't know how to label the scene. Like, <laughs> in my in my head, uh, trying to compartmentalize it, it makes sense, like, the groups that I would associate together. Yeah. But I, I wouldn't know, like, what kind of subgenre to call it of rap. But it's definitely, like, you guys have your own little subgenre going yeah, on. Yeah. There's know? still, to this day, I don't think there's, like, really a name for it, you know? Yeah. It's just, like, you just know kind of what it is. Sort yeah, of, and there's yeah. just kids who listen to it. It's just like it's you know the common themes of the music are like yeah fast rapping and fucking a huge 808 drop on the one (laughs) kick that like makes the crowd start moshing and then you know what I mean it's like like I don't know how to oh (laughs) I mean dude I'll tell you I I, to keep it one hundred thousand like it's not something that I would probably listen to in my leisure time but every Mm. time I go to a show I'm like I want to fucking kill somebody like it's just so much fun to like yeah just to like destroy people in the crowd too yeah it makes me wish I was eighteen again honestly what it is is like um I mean well what I could really comment on now yeah that I know for a fact is just like most of the kids that are making this type of music are like me they're old metal fans and hardcore fans yeah and um we sort of just put that energy into the into rap now and like sort of just it's like a blending of the genres even though a lot of times it doesn't blatantly sound like rap metal or whatever like there is that just there's a hardcore aesthetic to the crowds as well yeah like it's definitely the crowds mosh like if a denzel curry song comes on the crowd's gonna mosh you know what i mean like yeah yeah yeah. i Uh, love that about it it's awesome yeah well, that being said, and this is something where if this part of the conversation doesn't go well, we'll just edit it out because I don't know if you've thought about this or not. I'd struggle with it a lot. Do you ever think about like the cultural appropriation aspect of it and the fact that like, yeah, we were metal kids, but then we found out that like rap is it can, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And like I said, it is this, the sound is very much like an old Memphis style sound that's like re blowing up. Do you ever, do you ever feel like, Oh man, I'm a, I'm a white kid. And like, this is kind of fucked up or or like this problematic. Do you ever think that or struggle with it? Honestly, like no, because, um, like no one's ever really brought that to my attention as far as like, you know, we're destroying a culture. I don't think it's destroying it. Don't get me wrong. I, I understand it's paying homage. Yeah. 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 Well, because like, um, from what I understand and what I've seen, like, um, Tommy Wright, because Tommy Wright's still, like, active on Twitter and, yeah. like, a lot of old Memphis artists are. Yeah. Um, or older, rather. Um, they seem to be, you know, like, like Fucking advocating it. it. Yeah. That's so, tight. I mean, it doesn't seem like there's any sort of, like, if there was a movement of people, like, against it happening. Right. Then I would, I would maybe start to be more conscious of it. But I feel like it's just sort of music evolving and right I, you totally. know and, I, yeah. and that and that isn't to like call out your sp- scene specifically because no, I know the same mean. thing t- 15 20 years ago when underground rap was still sounding like boom bap it was still yeah, a bunch yeah. of white people doing it and the, the same conversation could have gotten yeah, brought exactly, up then yeah. just as i get older i struggle with it particularly with just how like just with like i said the race relations in america right now, they're <laughs> so fucked up and so i like constantly question my place in the world about it yeah i know uh, what you mean <laughs> um <laughs> It seems like you kind of started this as like uh, as an island by yourself, like I said, and mm-hmm. and then, but now 
do you feel yourself becoming adopted into this scene? Because like when I saw you, it was at the Suicide Boys show. Like mm-hmm. Peep was there, Slug Christ is there. All these people that are like they they get their internet, uh, they have their big internet followings, mm-hmm. and, and you seem to be you got brought out on stage as a special guest. Yeah, yeah. And so I feel like you know th- those guys know who you are, you know who oh, they yeah. are. So how how long did it take before you started getting like invited into this little world? Um, I kind of had to grind like really for a solid like like year or two yeah. you know b- before um because people just naturally associate you with other artists that they know in that genre yeah so it kind of just it's like that natural like association like i'm not going to be invited to play a show of you know an artist or a rapper who like sounds nothing like me you know right it's sort of like um i guess like just that natural like association yeah totally and and i and i get that because as as a fan it's easy to compartmentalize groups that sound the same but i know within those little scenes it can be very competitive yeah and sometimes sometimes people don't get invited in i'm sure there are a bunch of other people that would fit that genre where like they're not on stage at a suicide boys or puya show or whatever show because like those guys don't fuck with them probably so like yeah i guess um, like yeah you know what i mean so like on that note yeah i'm I'm sort of just like lucky that the the dudes that are you know really killing it right now like you know genuinely fuck with me so yeah that's like a good thing how'd you start meeting them um honestly once i like started actually playing show like getting booked for shows yeah. and um and when i came out to la like in, the first in florida time, you're getting booked for shows no oh, no no there's the, the scene in florida is just bad really? um for that kind of thing but isn't that where a bunch of those fools are from yeah but like it, as far as like local support um in shows because like even artists that are like from that area like yeah. now it's getting a little bigger but back then like like when i was when i started rapping like yeah. three four years ago like yeah. even artists that were from south florida like when they would play a show like not a lot of people come out compared to like texas or denver arizona like those are uh, more like the popping scenes like people are really like yeah. passionate there so well, uh, yeah forgive me for i'm not trying to like make this about other people but like aren't are all like you suicide boys puya fat nick all from florida right no no, no? Su- suicide boys from new orleans, oh, new orleans. that's yeah, right yeah, never yeah. mind i knew that uh but puya and fat nick are from florida yeah are they from, from close to where you at um yeah i think they're from miami which is like an hour away from me but so. you guys never ran into each other locally no no okay so there's not like a, there's not like a big uh well so in california when i was on the come up as a kid there was a scene in the bay that was very distinctive there was a scene in la that was very distinctive but then we would all kind of meet up in santa barbara and have shows there and battles there and stuff like that because it's kind of not a halfway point but it's like a good midway point yeah and and so the scenes kind of intertwined but that kind of stuff's not happening in florida no because there's no real like scene of any kind like at least that i experienced like when i used to play shows in south florida it was like a lot of um mainstream influence like everybody sort of wanted to be part of like Maybach music and like like big big labels right. and th- their whole grind was centered around that yeah. like you know just like flashy clothes and like you know mobbing up with like you know 15 people to a show and sort of like the only people who were at the shows were people that artists brought out like yeah. they said come to my show or like you know like gave them tickets or sold tickets or whatever like it was never there's no like local scene of like I mean there, it's growing now like yeah. I said but like when I was really grinding in the shows there's no one that would just be like oh there's a show and see a flyer and just go it's not like, like an underground rap there's no, not an underground yeah. rap scene yeah no basically. it wasn't yeah, yeah it's not like that at all we're like, in Cali there is one so know, how but. did you what 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 inspired you to like come out and visit California um 
just like sort of seeing that like that's where everybody is yeah. and like you know i had friends there you know and stuff like like ned's a you know good friend of mine yeah shout out ned uh, uh that's the homie Braden. i don't know if i'm supposed to say his real name but he <laughs> you know i told you Bra- Braden. I, Braden used to hit me up about this dude Milo and uh-huh. Milo was like the fifth guest ever on this podcast. Yeah, they like yeah. went to college together. And so, but yeah, Braden, he's a smart kid and he's got a very good ear for definitely. talent, which, and him vouching for you is one of the reasons that is definitely like, why I was like, okay, yeah, this will be a good idea. To have oh, yeah. On. yeah. Um, so that's a good dude. But yeah, how did you meet Braden? Like how, cause Braden is the ultimate kind of like uh pot stirrer. It seems like, like he's a spoon that stirs the pot for a lot of people oh, yeah. and introduces people. He's a maven of sorts. He's, uh-huh. a, he's a mensch. And so <laughs> how, like, how do you meet him? And does he start introducing you to other people too? Um, I met him online yeah. and, um, he, yeah, basically like, um, he produced um, a few songs for me. We actually ended up we did an EP together, mm-hmm. um, like all his production, mm-hmm. and um, and then I noticed that because I never knew that he raps too. And yeah, I've, I didn't either. Yeah, he has some songs like they're more like fun, like type music. Um, and I heard it and I was like instantly like wow like we got to do just like a fun song because like yeah. all my music is so damn serious and yeah. like I you know I did some like different you know style stuff with him and um, from there you know we just sort of like developed more of like a online relationship right. I guess and then when I actually pause yeah no, pause I'm <laughs> um, I didn't actually meet him in person until um, a few weeks ago when I moved out here because oh, it, it was no all just virtual because even when I. Um, I came out to LA for like a month. He happened, that happened to be the month that he was on the East coast in oh, New York, right. you know, yeah, doing his thing. Moved, yeah. And, um, so yeah, I met him for the first time, like a couple weeks ago. That's and, so funny. Yeah. Yeah. That's really funny. I mean, he seems like a, he, he's the type of dude that you want in your corner though. Cause, yeah, I, for sure. cause he's like out here just introducing himself to everybody, knowing everybody. Exactly, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Now that you're out here, how, I mean, it, has the adjustment been, how's the adjustment been going to moving to LA? It's good. Like, um, I mean, the hard part is always for me, like, even when I used to move in Florida, because I've lived in a lot of spots in Florida, like, yeah. whenever my year lease was up, I would just move. It's always the same of, like, oh, man, could I actually create here? Like, my studio's moved now. I'm looking at different things. It's different, and I'm scared because I get so used to the same shit. And it's then, so funny how producers are like that. Like, yeah. man, my producer, he moves a lot as well. Mm-hmm. And every time he moves, it's like, yeah, man, it's going to take me like probably three or four months till I'm like comfortable in this spot. Yeah. And I'm like, dog, you need to like, <laughs> you need to get a place that you're just comfortable and just stay there. Then, yeah. You yeah. Know? Honestly though, but like the nature of how I am and how I plan to be in my life is I want to move around a lot. Like I don't want to stay in one place. So I've forced myself sort of to just like create and get used to, um chaos, you know different like, yeah, yeah just like chaos in different spots and like even i mean my girl will tell you i had mental breakdowns the first couple of weeks here just because i'm like holy shit like what am i like i'm not used to anything like the even fir- just the first year in la is really fucking hard man yeah I like bet. it's it's a hard place to get used to but once you get past that first year i feel yeah, like yeah. you know and i mean you, it's good now you know it's going good i'm, I'm fine i just you know you gotta imagine like, when i when i moved here a decade ago it was before smartphones <laughs> and so trying to find your way around here without an iphone can oh, you imagine that uh, yeah dude i'd have to fucking go to uh, not even google maps i would go to mapquest.com and like search out directions and write them all down because you know, it was before phone cameras even were like a huge thing so you yeah, can like take true. a picture and just read it on your phone either so yeah. anyway blah 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 <laughs> uh, the point of that is it is a tough city to get used to but i'm glad that you're starting to adjust for sure Thanks, yeah man, man. Thanks. uh are you going to be playing a lot of more shows out here or what uh yeah i mean there's some stuff in the works for la um 
you know, Texas, things like that. Cool. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of promoters out here. So yeah, man. and venues and options. So. Always warehouse parties. Yeah. All, every night. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. All the sure. time, dude. Yeah, you'll you'll get in soon. I feel like. Um, you seem like a, a good dude with a good head on your shoulders, man, yeah. and it seems like you're working hard. And I think that pr- promoters and, and people that throw shows are mm-hmm. – they're, they're happy to work with people like that who have For their sure. shit together. And you don't act like a diva either, which is no. very cool. <laughs> like you're very approachable. We we organized all this on like four – in four days' notice yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. after just seeing you on stage for a second. So th- these are good traits, and, and I see a bright future for you, and I hope the best for you. So Thanks, man. that being said, uh, where can the people find you online? Um, you just follow pretty much everything. Just Ghostman, G H O S T E M A N E. Yeah, that E in the middle is very important. <laughs> it's crucial. Yeah, G H O S T E M A N E. And Correct. if you Google that, it's very SEO friendly because of that E in the middle. I think. Oh yeah, as soon as you Google it, it's like everything. My Spotify found, pops yeah, up and everything. You yeah. found so- SoundCloud, Spotify, yeah, Twitter, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, man. Uh, Thank you for coming in. This was dope, and I'm excited to see your performance, and I think people are going to be impressed with how uh, fast you twist your tongue. Hell yeah. Thanks, man. Pause to that, too. (laughs) Uh, That being said, my name is Lee. Some of you guys might know me as Intuition. You can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man, Ben Shin, behind the boards, making the shit sound buttery, at I Am Database, based with two S's. You can follow us as a unit at Kinda Neat. Uh, Everything wrapped up in a pretty package at kindaneat.net, which... You know what? Finally, I think I might be getting that redesigned here. I know I've been talking about that for three and a half years, <laughs> but it looks like may, I found somebody that might be down to redesign it. Um, YouTube.com slash kind of neat where you are going to see Ghost Main perform Venom and you're going to be impressed with it. And uh, don't forget, if you are a weekly listener and this is part of your weekly routine, uh, shout out to this dude, Jose, that I met last night that's friends with Clayton. He said, he, he goes, wait, are you, he's like, you, yo, I, uh, listen to your podcast. And I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, I've never even seen a picture of you. I didn't recognize your voice. I'm like, that's dope. So shout out to Jose for listening. <laughs> if you're somebody like him, go to patreon.com slash kind of neat and pledge like a buck per episode. And then that way it just helps us keep the lights on in the studio and, uh, put some extra scratch in me and Ben's pocket because this is just a labor of love and we don't make a lot of money off this YouTube channel channel because we're promoting other people's songs and they make the money off that which is amazing <laughs> patreon.com slash kind of neat go hook it up or you can just like if you want to just shoot me some money because my birthday is on friday two days after this uh episode is getting released yeah. i'll be turning 35 i'm so old you can just go to paypal.com slash or no paypal.me slash kind of neat and just send us some money we're down with that too if you send me a chunk of money i'll shout you out on the show too holler um I think that's all my stuff. Oh, go to your apps on your phone, download the podcast app, subscribe, search for Kind of Neat, subscribe, uh, leave a comment, leave a five-star rating, blah, blah, blah. If you're still listening at this point, you're fucking stupid because I say the same <laughs> thing every week. Uh, that is my new friend, Ghost Main. My name is Lee, and this was Kind of Neat. Kind of Neat.